Welcome to Black Family Table Talk. We are your hosts, Tony and Tony. Listen in weekly as we discover ways to build a strong Black family. What are we going to discuss today, Tony? Today we're going to talk about personal relationships, love versus lust. Wow, that's a heavy one. I think that one of the things that I recognize in our culture, particularly the American culture, is that it is hypersexualized. I would agree. There's a the focal point of most relationships are about sex and sexual attraction and desire. Yeah, sexual desire. And I think that that is where we are as a society. We are failing, really, really failing. And and I noticed that when we moved from New Jersey to Georgia, even so more. Well, one of the things that I noticed that when we lived in New Jersey with the children, even though the children were dating, it wasn't encouraged by parents for the most part. Schoolwork and engaging in sports and everything was encouraged by parents. And there's a lot of great things about living in Georgia, but one of the things that I noticed was the permissiveness of moms and dads encouraging relationship mm. at a very young age, meaning junior high school. We didn't talk about dating and relationships. And if we did, we certainly thought that for our kids, middle school was not the time to do that, sixth to eighth grade. I would agree. And what comes to mind, I remember when our children came to us to talk about dating, I remember us having a discussion that you should wait, do group dates, group activity, Yeah. because we felt if you start dating too early, you get in the habit of breaking up. Mm. At such an early age, you fall into that, that habit of breaking up, making up, and getting your heart and feelings hurt at such a young age. The maturity level was not there to handle having your heart broken at an early age and having to deal with that at a very young age. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Feelings or emotions are super sensitive during those adolescent times, and being able to manage them is very difficult. Now, you know, kids are gonna do what they do anyway, but at least by giving guidelines Absolutely. and parameters and reasons why dating should be held off to when they get through those, those years, and they were ready to settle down. And I remember us preaching that you should not date until you get ready to get married. That's when you start interviewing candidates for marriage. Because otherwise, you're right. It's a breakup, mm-hmm. makeup, and you're getting yourself hurt. Just focusing on being friends mm-hmm. with no expectations. I don't know how realistic that was. For me... I started dating when I was 19 uh, and when I was in college. That's when I started seriously dating. Every Everything else was not serious. And I really look back now and I think that that was too young because my first breakup was so emotional for me. Mm-hmm. Up until that point in my life, I had guarded my heart. And by guarding my heart, I felt as though not told to do it because I was never told that I couldn't date or anything, so my parents were different. But I had just guarded my heart at an instinct. And then when I first had my first real breakup, 
it really cost me. It cost me my grades in school. So it was, and it wasn't even worth it because mm-hmm. the guy was a jerk looking back retrospectively. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody that I would never marry. And we met when I turned, was 25 and we got married when we were 26. Mm-hmm. What about your first time dating? Well, I will say before I answer that question, I do remember having a discussion with our children about what's the purpose of dating? What is this leading up to? So it kind of piggybacks off what you said that you should start dating when you plan on getting married. That was the, the goal. Now, if you meet that goal, that's one thing or the other, but we had a reason for establishing the goal. Now, to answer your question, I didn't do a lot of dating per se in the sense, well, let me, no, I dated, but didn't have a lot of steady girlfriends. That in itself was probably not healthy because it kind of bounced around. It was really mainly based on desire. You really didn't get a chance to know the person in a committed relationship. My first committed relationship, believe it or not, was you. Don't know why it happened that way. It just happened that way. I I felt I was at an age. I was ready. So I was subconsciously looking for a wife. I was looking for someone to settle down with. I can honestly say that I was ready too and desirous of a serious relationship. I had just graduated from college and I felt as though it was the next step (laughs) to get married. When I was dating, I was dating for the purpose of looking for a long-term relationship. Now, when we met, we, it was whirlwind. That was we met four months. We decided to get married. You say I propose. I say you propose. We decided to get married, and then four months later, we were married. So yeah, was it love or was it lust? <laughs> uh, uh, that well, you know, I think at that time when we met, we met and we had a lot in common. We mm-hmm. felt, you know, we we could, we talked for hours on the phone about many things, politics, family, life, education, graduate school, what do we want out of life, and we wanted to travel. Yes. (laughs) And the first thing we wanted to do was get our passport, and we were going to Venezuela. I remember that. South America. Yep. (laughs) You know, we, we just had that love for experiencing other cultures and other countries that that was the first thing we wanted to do and that is something we still love to do 30 years in our marriage 31 years in our marriage we still love to travel so within that four months we had talked so much and decided to go on a trip and then we said to ourselves why go on a trip why don't we just get married (laughs) So that makes a lot of sense, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I, I, I guess things so were going crazy. so well. That sounds so crazy now. But, um, right. yeah, it's a crazy thing. We met in four months. We said, let's get married. And we were married in, within eight months. So you think it was love or lust? I think it was both. I think it was both. I think it was both. Because I... I the lust part was desire. 
I definitely desired you. The love part was, you know, let me let me take that back. I may have confused the two, but I know I love being around you. I know I loved your your energy. I loved your personality. I loved your smile. I loved that you were smart. I loved the fact that we had a lot in common. We grew up in the same neighborhood and really didn't know each other. So that mattered to me. And... You were the first person I ever dated, quote unquote dated, that I took home to meet my mom. <laughs> That's funny because I remember that day and I remember you walked me in there and you said, Mom, this is the <laughs> this is the woman I'm gonna marry. And that's how I met your mother. And your mother was so, um, she was sweet, but she was shocked. (laughs) She asked me, was I pregnant? I said, no, I wasn't pregnant. And then she said, hmm. And then she started talking about why we decided, why was it such a rush? And we really couldn't give her an answer. It was, it was, looking back at it, it was it was kind of crazy. Yeah, it, it was crazy. <laughs> I don't know if we would have had to... I, I think I would probably act it like your mother if our children did that to us. But I would have definitely thought that they had lost their mind. <laughs> they did what we did. And that's crazy. But this, listen, I, I want to share this. We're, we're reading a book together and it's called The Lifelong Love by Gary Thomas. And he says that love is not desire, but love creates desire. The more loving you act towards someone, the more you begin to desire that person. What do you think about that statement and how do you think it relates to love versus lust or desire? I think it's a true statement. I believe it wholeheartedly. In agreement, I stand in agreement with that statement. Well, what does it mean to you? It, it Exactly what it says. That the more loving you are to someone, the more the desire increases because you you behaving lovingly towards each other. Does that answer your question? And what does it mean to behave lovingly? I think a lot of people will interpret that differently. I think some people may interpret that as saying you love that person. I may some people may interpret it as you buying them something. So it, mm. what does acting lovingly mean? To me it it means wanting to share space, wanting to be in each other's company, wanting to share moments, wanting to do things together, creating memories. But what happens when that goes away? You know, because according to the book, all of those things are human things, and that's why marriages break up. It's like who what comes first, the love or desire mm. or desire for love. Mm. Right. Love is an act. Right. Desire is a feeling. Exactly. Because we've been married long enough to know that desire go comes and goes. Right. So how do you sustain a marriage on love? Well, I think one of the things the book brought up was a spiritual love. Mm-hmm. And 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 it goes into benevolence and, and care for your wife and creating a spiritual love me is, is, is based on biblical principles mm-hmm. I will take care of you I want to see the best for you yes that's more in line of a spiritual love because 
Christ loved us. He died for us. And Christ wanted what's best for us. He died so that he can stand in the gap on our behalf and advocate for us. So I would say that would be the type of love that God wants in a marriage. It takes a love of maturity to progress to that point in your relationship. And also what I've learned, you have to enter into a relationship for the benefit of your spouse. Not yourself, but the benefit of your spouse. So as a woman, if I'm coming into a marriage with the best interest of my husband, then he also has to have my best interest at heart. And the other thing that it talked about in the book is how desires end abruptly and it's like you breaking up. It's something you want, but it can change. That's the point I wanted to make, the desire. You have a strong desire, but once the desire goes away, what are you left with? Mm. I don't think desires, physical desires, fleshly desires can ever be truly satisfied. I don't think that we des- we're designed to have satisfaction. Because if whatever it is we want, we want more. Right. So if we're looking for, and at the risk of contradicting myself, or we're looking for our spouse to fill fleshly and human desires, then that's one thing. But if we're looking for our spouse to look out for our best interests, that's a loving act. And I believe that what happens is, and it's a mutual thing, it happens at the same time. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing, I'm working on your best interest or my behaviors are in your best interest and your behaviors are in my best interest, then love is generated from that. And that's godly love. Absolutely. That's generated from that. Absolutely. And that's overflowing. And that's that's always going to bring joy and satisfaction and peace. And not that the things are going to be smooth sailing, Mm -hmm. but that if that's the premise and the goal moving forward, Every single time, I think you'll get rid of things like selfishness yes. in marriages, yes, which is a huge crack in the foundation of a marriage. Absolutely. Uh, infidelity, Absolutely. because your behaviors are not in the best interest of your spouse. So it's sort of like a test that you can say, well, is this behavior going to be in the best interest of, our, of my spouse? And once once you decide that it is not and you continue to move forward, then you're breaking and you're putting cracks in the foundation of a marriage. I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. What have you learned from your experience? I think husbands like myself should want to live and die for their wife. And what I mean by that is take an interest in your wife's well-being, mentally, spiritually, and emotional and being that that vessel to help navigate that because when you're looking out for the best interests of your wife you want to make sure that she's okay and what does that look like you know if there's something your wife is interested in doing take an interest in it move towards goals she may have you want to make sure that financially you can provide for your wife and you do things together healthy eating, working out together, having long walks at night, just getting to know each other heart to heart. It's it's a constant exchange and you want to be there for your wife. 
through tough times and good times because you want to provide security and protection. Now I'm listening to you and this is going to sound weird for a lot of men because a lot of men don't normally talk about their emotions because society has sort of like trained men to be emotionless. So how do you think men can benefit from hearing you without saying that's being soft? Well, what we talked about in this podcast is love versus lust. Love is not the same as desire. So I would say to men, if you're looking for your marriage to go to another level of love and move past desire, these are things you you would have to do. Mm. And that's, that's an individual decision. Do you want your wife to be secure and feel protected mentally and physically? If that's what you desire, these are the requirements. If that's not what you desire, and it's all about just lustful thoughts, you're not going to have much. It took me months of counseling as an individual and as a couple with you to become in tune with what was going on with our situation and to be in tune with your needs and making sure that I was meeting your needs. So counseling is something that I would recommend. And I think that helped our situation tremendously. Thank you. I know it's not easy sometimes to talk about these things, but (laughs) we're Black Family Table Talk. That's what's up. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Black Family Table Talk. We pray that you heard some principles to put into your strong Black Family toolbox. Be sure to tune in next week. And remember, sharing is caring. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and visit our website at blackfamilytabletalk.com. Look for special discounts and ways to be part of the Black Family Table Talk community. As a part of our mission to do our part to strengthen Black families, we endorse small Black-owned businesses. This is our way of strengthening Black families economically. This week's Small Black Business Spotlight is on... Family, I urge you to check out my new book, Let It Go. It's a short read and many are claiming they can't put it down. It also made number one in two categories on Amazon. Visit BlackFamilyTableTalk.com on the products page for more details. I pray you too get inspired. Under Section 107 of the Copyright Act 1976, allowances made for fair use for purposes such as criticism, comments, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, and research. Fair use is a use permitted by copyright statute that may otherwise be infringing. The news and opinions expressed on Black Family Table Talks do not necessarily reflect various platform posts. All topics are for entertainment purposes only. Discretion is strongly advised and all commentary is alleged. This is a Micah 68 Media LLC production.